Hello and welcome back to the Euro Trips Football Podcast. We are here for yet another review of all things domestic European football. I'm your host Andy, and I'm this week joined as ever by Jonathan, Ryan, and Naeem. How are you all? All good, mate. Doing good. Very well, thank you. I bet you. I bet you're very good. I, I, I I've been dreading this week, this day, to be honest, all week. I knew, I knew, I know it's coming. Um, we we may as well go into it now. We'll go on the Premier League first, and of course, the game we previewed last week was at the Emirates on Sunday as Arsenal hosted Liverpool, and sadly, Arsenal came out the winners with a three-two win, um, with the winner coming from a penalty from Bukayo Saka, which for me was was very questionable in my opinion. I actually only got to watch the first half because of other things I was I was doing at the time. But from what I saw, it was fairly even the first half. I think the first goal was, again, terrible defending from Trent. Um, obviously, stuff come out recently that VAR wasn't working properly when the goal when the goal was being reviewed or something like that. And then Alfie got back into it through Darwin Nunes. He's had a great week. And then, yeah, that sort of, I think the end of the first half really kills. I think if we'd gone to the end of the first half, level of 1-1, it may be a different story. But... Um, what were your boys' takes on um, on this, um, on the game? I'll go to you first, Naeem. What were your takes on the win? Um, yeah, so obviously, you only saw the first half. Um, obviously, we got off to a great start. I actually missed the goal, setting up setting up the laptop and whatnot. But, yeah, um, in, in the first half, obviously got the goal quickly. Then I think for about 20, 25 minutes, you were kind of the better team. Obviously, kept the ball quite well, uh, had a few chances here and there. But... Obviously, the um, the Saka goal that was on the run of play really before half time, and yeah, I thought in the second half we were the better team, and yeah, we deserved the win. You know, we obviously Klopp coming out moaning as always, um, just pretty much a sore loser. But yeah, I feel in the whole whole ninety minutes, yeah, we did deserve we did deserve to win the game. The Jesus one was a penalty because Thiago didn't get any of the ball. You know, people always keep saying soft penalties, this that. You know, obviously football's a contact game. If he gets contact without getting any of the ball, then it's a penalty. So, yeah, I, I feel, yeah, we um we played really well. You know, being a, we've obviously won all our home games so far this season. Um, the fans, they've 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 been amazing so far this season at home. And yeah, um, yeah, it was a deserved win. And yeah, it's about time we beat you because the last time we beat you, you obviously just won the league. So obviously you weren't really too focused on that game, and it was obviously behind closed doors. So yeah. It was good to obviously get the win against you. And, yeah, let's just see if we can keep this good form up. Yeah, I, I do actually agree with you about the penalty. I do think it was a penalty. My issue wasn't really to do with the penalty being given for you. It was more the fact that we should have got a penalty that wasn't given. Um, there was the foul. I can't think he was fouled now. Um, but it was something that we should have got in the first half. That was very similar to what you got. And also the fact that there should have been a penalty for handball on Gabriel, which I know people are saying that. He couldn't get out of the way of it. But that is a rule these days. And we've seen a lot of penalties in the last two years that, you know, that have been given for that. You've seen a lot of people, you know, that ha- it may have been literally nothing they could do about it, but the arms been out and there have been penalties given in the last two years. So my issue is not so much with the Arsenal penalty. It's more the consistency with the referees, the fact that they aren't giving the save for both teams. And it's, it's, it's not just this game. It's happened many games this season. There's been games where it has happened where, one team gets decisions and one team doesn't. So it's very annoying from that point of view. But Ryan, what are your thoughts on um on the officiating but also the game itself? 
Well, I have to say, this is one podcast I've been looking forward to very much. Yeah, and it's not often we say that. So, um, I don't know. You mentioned the ref- refereeing. Like I said at the time as well, that I felt we were we were lucky to get away with the Gabrielle one. Um, looking back on on it now, I don't know. I've, I don't really know where where to stand on that. To be honest with you, because it is very close to him, but his arm, this whole unnatural, you know, position. It, Anyone who anyone who's ever played football knows that if you're a, if you're a defender, it's impossible to keep your arms down by your side, and they need to change the rule in there because you just can't do it. You can't defend properly. So I did. I, I do know. Still feel that you probably should have got a penalty in hindsight, but it is what it is. You know, we've had our fair share of decisions go against us, not necessarily against Liverpool, but over the course of last season, especially. And um, I think we would do a little bit of luck. So, yeah, I don't think um, the officiating can be can be blamed for the for the result necessarily. Um, I don't believe Saka, Saka was offside. Uh, you know, they they looked at the picture and obviously, I believe it was because of where he was stood. It was in front of a certain camera, so they couldn't draw a line or something. But not being funny, you got to, when you start having to draw these lines out, it gets it gets ridiculous. You now, you know. So I don't know. It's a it's a grey area, isn't it? But at the end of the day, we we were much the better team in both halves. There was only really a couple of minute spells here and there for Liverpool where they were they were you know on top really. But I thought um, Tommy Asu was was brilliant at left back, not his natural position, but he kept Mo Salah, you know, in my opinion, the best player of the last two or three years in the Premier League, extremely quiet enough for Jurgen Klopp to you know bring him off when they needed a goal. Which was very uh, surprising, and Alexander Arnold, as you said, looked defensively weak again. He, he was definitely at fault for Saka's goal. Why he ran across when there was already a player there, I'll never understand that. And these are basics as well that he's not grasping. So whether he is a natural right back, I don't know. I don't think he is necessarily. But yeah, thoroughly happy with our performance once again. Every player played. Excellent. Can't fault any single one of them at the moment. And even Arteta with his, how he's setting the team up and with his substitutions, there's nothing to criticise at the moment. No, I, I do actually give you about Trent. I, I am getting more and more frustrated as the weeks go on with his defending because this season especially, and we saw it actually a couple of years ago when we had that bad season after winning the league where his defending was questionable. Even last year, even last year, a season where we went played, played in every game possible, I don't think his defending was anything special. And I'll get your thoughts on this, Jonathan, because I've been saying this in group chats for weeks that we should move to a three-four-three, especially now Canate's back in the mix. Um, so if you so if you had Matip, Canate, Van Dijk as your back three, you could then keep Trent and Robertson going forward without Trent needing to defend as much. And you still keep the front three, and you still keep Fabinho and Thiago in that midfield. Um, also, I don't think Klopp will ever change up. I think he's way, he's quite stubborn, and I don't think he'll change from four four three three. Although I think he was doing a one point four four two against Arsenal on the weekend with Jota and Nunes up there. But um, do you think that could work, Jonathan? I think it definitely could. I, I don't think it's going to happen because you know we've predominantly seen Klopp play just two centre backs for so long now, and um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, for me, Alexander Arnold's a, a great right midfielder. I wouldn't even consider him to a defender because 
of how much his game is emphasized on pushing up the pitch, bringing crosses off the right wing, and and of course being so good from the sp- from the spot and set pieces. So I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, with Chelsea, we've seen now back three and how well that's working for them ever since Grand Potter's taken over, and we saw that again against Milan in the Champions League and how well Reese James is going forward and and I'd compare him very similar to the, to Alexander Arnold I'd even give Reese James the title of a slightly better defender but it just shows what that's doing for his confidence currently and and how what much better Chelsea are playing than Liverpool but then again Liverpool did win 7-1 against Rangers so maybe that's the little spark they needed although I'm slightly afraid that on Sunday it's going to all come crashing down again when uh when they face Man City so it's a tough one, but I just hope they don't do something wild. And if this keeps up for the next, I don't know, month or two before the World Cup, uh, I'm afraid Twitter is just going to go wild with these clop-out rumors. And that's the last thing that they should do in this moment. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. I have a hypothetical question that I wanted to ask Andy. Oh, no, here you go. It's one I, I thought of at the weekend, actually, funny enough, because Klopp often... Um, in the past has praised some of our players, Martinelli in particular, and uh, we know that he likes Odegaard as well. So hypothetically, if at the end of the season, for, for whatever reason, um, Arteta left Arsenal and we finished in the Champions League and Liverpool didn't finish in the Champions League, do you, do you think if Arsenal went to Klopp, he would switch? No. <laughs> There's my answer. No, I, I, I don't think Klopp will... The only reason Klopp would ever leave Liverpool is for a break, and I or if we if we sacked him, which I think would be absolutely ridiculous. I don't think it ever would, but I think the only reason Klopp would leave would be due to having a break from football. And I think that even if that's the case, and he went to Arsenal, I think it would be maybe a year or two after he left Liverpool. I think he would have that like a dormant. He'd have that year or two off, and then he'd, he'd go back into it. But um, I think this- he's pretty set with Arteta at the moment. I've been watching some of the All or Nothing recently and obviously having a great start to the year, top of the league. Um, I do think that you guys will get you. And then unless Pep came to you, I don't think you guys would swap Arteta for anyone, would you right now? No, not necessarily. I mean, this is in the realm of Darren Bent saying that he wouldn't swap Jesus for Mbappe at the moment. Um, he actually said, he did say that on TalkSport. <laughs> I understand his reason as well. Mm. Because of his, of his, of Mbappe's um, ego and attitude, obviously now wanting to leave PSG again, um, so I understand what he what, what he meant there as well. But I only mentioned it actually, funny enough, because of we know how realistic football manager is sometimes, and and in my current save, Jurgen Klopp actually left Liverpool <laughs> for Tottenham. The height of realism, right there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um. Um, right, speaking of Arsenal, uh, go back to your point, Jonathan. I do think actually Reese James is the best right back in the league. I've been thinking this probably for the last six months, definitely this season. I think Reese James is just that that much better defended defensively. Um, but obviously, for you guys, um, I don't know why there's been a postponed game between you boys happening with Man City. Um, Oh, I think it's. I'm looking at it now. I'm trying to find a reason. It was meant to be Arsenal City on October the 18th. But for some playing PSV instead because it was meant to play them uh, before the international break. But oh, was it when the Queen died? It got that. Yeah, that got postponed. So oh, okay. yeah, we've had to have to play that now instead. 
which is annoying. Look, but... Looking at it now, it's like you guys aren't playing them. Obviously, the Green Range fixture happens at some point, but at the next scheduled fixture, it's April 26th, which is a, it'll be a long, 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 long way from the, from the season, or from where we are now in the season. But I think that game, you know, that could be, this season especially, could be massive. And that point of the year as well, I think that's going to be huge. But um, again, I realise it's a long way away as well, but you boys sit top of the table, one point clear of Man City. Could it happen? No. Nah, I think I think I think we'll finish top four this season, but mm. to go from finishing fifth to winning the league, that's a big ask. But you know, strange things have happened. So yeah, we just have to take one game at a time, just keep winning really and try and try not to draw really, because that's what kind of hinders you. But it's... if you do it, then fair, fair play, but it's a big ask with the way Man City are. Um, you know what they're going to be like. They'll go on a crazy winning run now, probably. And yeah, if, if we if we can if we can stay top until the World Cup, then you never know. Get a few signings in, freshen the squad up a bit, and then go again. But yeah, I, I reckon top four will probably finish now this season. I think that is the key. If we can get to the World Cup in that position, I think we're we're set because I think I did actually see something. I don't, I don't know if it was today or yesterday that they are willing to give him more funds in January if he needs it. I do think he will look to try and bring in a player or two in January because we still are a little bit short in certain positions. We get a couple of injuries that could hinder us. But then again, it's the same to Man City as well. You know, they lose Haaland or they lose De Bruyne. Uh, you know, it takes. I know they've got incredible depth still, but, you know, they're the two main men for them at the moment. And, you lose them, you take a few goals out of that team, and you know they they you took the obviously they took Haaland out of the team against Copenhagen in the week, and mm. um, they struggled to get a result there, albeit they were down to ten men. But um, yeah, it's I don't know, it's it's a, it's a strange one. Obviously, we we don't know how the World Cup's going to affect things. I think it's going to have a, a bigger impact than people may think it will do. So. It's just, like I say, one game at a time and obviously what leads at the weekend. I expect three points there as well. So, yeah, hopefully we're top next week as well. I think it was such a blessing in disguise for Arsenal not to get into the Champions League last year because as a fan and, and Arteta as well will want this, he wants that sort of steady improvement. So each year he can show the board, he can show his supporters that this is how we're moving the team up the table slowly but surely, if they had gotten Champions League last year immediately, I think there would have been, I wouldn't say pressure, because it still would have been unexpected to beat Man City, which they will unlikely accomplish this year again. But, um, you know, this allows Arteta to say, look, if the team does drop to third or fourth in the spring, he can still fall back on that fifth place finish last year and say, hey, we're still improving the supporters, mm. the fans can see it. The board can see it. Our players believe it. And I think that if they had finished fourth last year, this wouldn't feel as good of a season as it will be, I think, for Arsenal. Yeah, looking as well, looking at the... Um, obviously, God thank Rob Holding for that, if anything happens to the winner of the league, because it was his fault he didn't get top four last year. But look, I mean, what a, what a hairline, by the way. Can we just oh, say that's amazing. probably the comeback, comeback year, comeback player of the year, or <laughs> comeback hairline of the year? I'm not sure what to say. Uh, Unbelievable. No, no. Crazy. But looking at Arsenal's next few games, you've got 
Leeds, Southampton and Forest the next three games, and you've already played Man you've already played Tottenham, you've already played Liverpool, not played City yet, but looking at the next, you've got Wolves, Chelsea after that, then you've got Wolves, West Ham, Brighton and Newcastle mm-hmm. for a away clash with Tottenham on January 14th. So the fixture schedule's pretty good. And um, obviously, I know you've got to play the City at some point, but I think, you know, you go into that game, you know, you so you might draw against Chelsea, you may even win that game, or you may step up against one of these other teams. But it's a good set of fixtures, and I think that could really, really help things. And I think as well, you know, Europa League, you're playing at the moment, and you're not playing really anyone. You're playing Udegaard and Saka, but Ketcher's playing, Reese Nelson's playing, Fabio Vera, Laconga, Rob Holding, just mentioned Rob Holding, uh, Matt Turner's playing also. Obviously, you'll be winning games in Europa League without, or you're playing Europa League without... Um, really playing a strong team, so you're giving those players a rest as well, which means that, which gives you a great chance down the league, because obviously that was my biggest concern before the season started, was the fact that if Arsenal got two games in the week, they may struggle depth-wise, but if, if you're showing me here that you're managing to play games and you're doing so without playing a full-strength team, that's going to be a really good boost when it comes to the Premier League on the weekend. I think, as well, there's a reason we're playing such a strong team as well tonight, in, in particular, because that drew some eyebrows, you know, when they saw Saka and Odegaard in the team, especially. But the you know the side we're up against, obviously a team that you know you and Naeem have seen play against Roma. Um, mm. They're 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 fourteen games unbeaten at home in Europe, um, yeah. which is no you know no easy feat. And they're a good team. They gave us a good game at the Emirates, and he knows that if we if we top the group, it means that you don't you don't have to play two potential fixtures. Obviously, the first knockout round, first leg and second leg. So oh, right. that's that's a lot less travelling and two less games just by topping the group. And he wants to do that early and then obviously chuck some young players in, you know, for the games against Zurich and, and PSV. So it's clever thinking from him. And obviously we're one nil up already through Saka. So if we can come away with a win tonight, you know, being able to rest Jesus, who we've left, obviously, um, back in London as well, I think that'll be, you know, a great boost going into the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tour for the weekend, three games to look out for. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail because, frankly, I can't see us getting anything out of it. We play City at half four at Anfield. That scares me a lot, and I think they're going to win it. I, I can see it potentially being four or five nil. I know we won seven one yesterday, but it was against Rangers. Um, I'm not getting too excited over that. So I, I do feel that game is going to be an absolute thrashing, a bit like it was two years ago at Anfield. Um, but other games I want to focus on, the first one I want to focus on, um, I'm going to give it to Fulham against Bournemouth because these are two teams that went up. The two teams that are really surprising as Fulham are currently in ninth and Bournemouth are in eighth. And Bournemouth is a team we beat 9-0 just a month or two ago. And they're two points clear, albeit a game played more. But these two teams um, have surprised many. I mean, I actually said Bournemouth to stay up, but Fulham last play. So mixed when it comes to that. But... Um, yeah, I think these two teams have surprised. I know it's not on TV, but I think this is a game that I think both these teams have proved, as a lot of people, very wrong this season. I think that should be a good game. Next one is Leeds Arsenal. Um, big two, big Premier League, um, two big sort of English football giants. Uh, different ends of the table. Of course, we mentioned Arsenal being top, and that's a game we have to be. Us obviously Leeds are fourteenth, so I think Leeds could slip into the bottom three if the goal swing 
if I they lose by four or five goals and Wolves win by two or three, I think so. Leeds will be eager to get a win there, but at the same time, Arsenal want to keep up their their great start to the year. And then the final game, I'm going to give it to Man U Newcastle. I think this is a fixture again, which had a lot of goals in the past. Uh, Man U, how do they respond to that loss to City on the weekend a few weeks ago, and that with that tight win against Everton last week? And then Newcastle started the season wonderfully. How can they? Can they? continue their great start of the year away at Man U. Uh, but that is the three games to look out for this weekend. And of course, there are games midweek as well. Um, Brighton Forest and Palace Wolves on the Tuesday. Before on Wednesday and Thursday, we've got Bournemouth Southampton, Brentford Chelsea, Liverpool West Ham, Newcastle Everton, Man U against Spurs before Thursday sees Fulham take on Aston Villa and Leicester take on Leeds. Now, our next league, next league we're going to focus on is La Liga. So, Naeem, it's all yours. Yes, so um, I'll just quickly go through the uh, games of the weekend last weekend. So the first one was the Friday night fixture. It was Osasuna against Valencia, um, but obviously both teams have started off relatively well this season. There was there was two missed penalties in this game, two red cards, um, a red a second yellow for a player that got substituted because he was on a yellow card. And it was, I don't know if anyone's seen the video, obviously Gattuso was pleading with the ref but obviously he got sent off on the bench and then he went to proceed to kick in the water bottle um, holder. So, yeah, that was a bit funny there. Uh, the game actually ended 2-1 to Valencia. Uh, goals from Diacarbi, obviously, who uh, got sent off, and Justin Cliver. Uh, Cavani actually missed a penalty in that game, same as Jimmy Avila. Funny enough, the obviously, Gattuso went to Valencia this season, all but uh, three games in the league, there have not been any red cards. So, yeah, Valencia have received so far this season three red cards, and obviously have only have only played um, eight eight to nine games. So, yeah, a bit of discipline issues there. Obviously, last season uh, it was pretty much the same as well. But obviously they got the win in the end. But obviously they're going to be missing the Akabi. Obviously he's an important player for them. The other game um, to look to, was to look out for was Sociedad against Villarreal. Sociedad got a narrow 1-0 win against them. Uh, they're doing all right so far this season themselves. And the third game was Sevilla against Athletic Club. So, obviously, this was this was um, San Paoli's first game. They got a 1-1 draw. They, they played all right, but Athletic Club, they probably feel they should have won that game there. Uh, top of the table, Barcelona and Madrid, they both got 1-0 wins respectively against Catafe and Celta Vigo. Now, the games to look forward to this weekend. First one is on Saturday at 8 o'clock. That is Atleti Club against Atletico Madrid. So that is third against fourth. So it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, bounce back after that 1-1 draw against Sevilla. Second game is on the last game on the Monday, which is Villarreal against Osasuna. Both teams only have one win in the last four games, so they're so either team's going to want to try and get some point more points on the board so they can get into those Champions League spaces. But obviously, saving the last, saving the best till last is obviously El Clasico weekend. So the, this what this fixture is at the Bernabeu. Both teams have got the same record this season. You know, they've only drawn one game and then won seven games um, as well. So, 
Yeah, we're good to see. I think Rudiger might be out injured. Obviously, he came, came off. He obviously scored the winner the other day in Champions League. Sorry, not the winner. He got an equaliser uh, in the Champions League late on. But by doing so, he obviously came off with a bloody head. So he might not feature. But yeah, uh, with this game, it could go either way. Obviously, Barcelona, uh, they've only still, still only for this season. They've been, they've been good defensively. Obviously, in Europe, they haven't been greatest, but uh, yeah, we shall see. So, I'm going to go for Real Madrid to win this game, simply for the fact they're at the Bernabeu. And yeah, they've been doing good this season. So, yeah, just to quickly run through bottom of the table. Elche on two points, still without a win this season. Cadiz got uh, five points. They're 19th. Sevilla, 18th with six points. Uh, sixth place, got Real Sociedad with 16 points. Real Betis, 16 points as well. Same with Athletic Madrid in fourth because uh, of a better goal difference. In third place, we have Athletic Club on 17 points. And in joint first and second is Barcelona Real Madrid on 22 points. So, yeah, obviously the game I'm looking forward most to is El Clasico. Always something going on in those sort of fixtures. So, yeah, look out for those games this weekend. And, yeah, we'll see. If either team will get registered a first defeat this season. So you mentioned you thought we are will win. What is your score prediction gonna be? Hmm. I'll go I think Barcelona will score, but I'll go two one. I know they did beat them there last season, but yeah, I think I think uh, I think I think Barcelona will probably will just narrowly lose. So yeah, I'm gonna go two one Real Madrid, Benzema and Vinicius and Lewandowski to score for Barcelona. Okay, I'm going to go for 2-2. Ben's Mervyn is here for Real. I'm going to go for Lewandowski and Rafinha for Barcelona. So um, we'll go to Jonathan for your score prediction. I've got 2-2 as well. Uh, I mean, Bayern, or or, excuse me, not Bayern, (laughs) Barca. uh, Bayern's the team that owns them. Um, (laughs) Barca are... uh, Still going to be suffering and and just a state of despair from what happened midweek. So, and Ryan, your prediction? Or sorry, excuse me. Um, Europa League, Barcelona. Sorry, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I mean that game was crazy. I mean, we'll, we'll never mention it in our European episode, but watching that yesterday after our game finished, incredible stuff. Um, and yeah, Ryan, what's your score prediction? Is this for El Clasico, yeah? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Real Madrid will slap them. They will win 3-0. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Mm. I like that. I like that. It's bold. I like it. Mm. So now to our penultimate league, which is going to be all events going on in Germany. So, Jonathan, take it away. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... We saw this past week yet another coach in the Bundesliga get fired. I think American fans actually have completely forgotten about this guy because they only seem to want to focus on Jesse Marsh at Leeds United. But Pellegrino Matarazzo, who was born and raised in New York, went to Columbia University, and now has been living in Germany for, I don't know, the last couple dozen years, was fired at Stuttgart this past week. They're still winless to start the season. Yet, they aren't like absolutely getting destroyed in games. Their worst loss has been two goals. 
They have five draws in nine games, and they've lost the rest of their games by just one goal. Um, so they're close, but at the same time, he's been given lots of time since 2019, and they barely stayed up last season and the last game and the extra time. So uh, it was about time for him to go. And they joined Bochum at the bottom of the table, who somehow beat Eintracht Frankfurt, Champions League Eintracht Frankfurt 3-0 over the weekend to claim their first victory of the season. So that'll be a, a pretty hilarious matchup this week with Stuttgart facing Bochum in a relegation battle. The loser, which I do think will be Bochum, I doubt that they really have any sort of chance of staying up after this season. Leverkusen, Jabi Alonso's first game in charge, uh, 4-0. They lost to Porto, 3-0 midweek in the Champions League. So it's the classic Leverkusen of a ton of hope over the weekend and then everything going back down um, again midweek. And then finally, Dirk Classic, Dortmund, Bayern. There could have been at least three or four red cards handed out in this game. And then Dortmund Anthony Modest ended up saving the day, an assist and a goal in extra time to claim a much data point against Bayern. Dortmund still haven't claimed three points against Bayern since 2018. It's been four years now, uh, which is wild. But the fact that they didn't lose is, I guess, something to be proud of. Um, but a disappointing draw to Sevilla midweek. They sort of got brought down back to earth yet again. Uh, this weekend, the top four face each other. Union, still league leaders, face Dortmund. Bayern face the second-best team in the league in Freiburg. So another fun weekend ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the highlights of that Dortmund-Bayern game, and it was it was amazing, really. Like That was an incredible game, and I loved there was a video that came out days afterwards where it showed um, Oliver Kahn's reaction to the, to the <laughs> Dortmund equaliser. And that was amazing. That was like, you know, everyone knows him as a player as being a bit crazy when he's a player. And I think he still kept that, kept that craziness. You saw his reaction on the thing. It was just, that's a beautiful watch. Anyone who hasn't seen that yet, I'd go find it. It's probably find quite easy to find on social media. Um, it's just a good watch. It's a great watch. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen this crazy on the pitch antics. And then for people who are so tired of Bayern winning to see a reaction like that and have the cameras just prone. Just pan towards him at exactly the right time. Couldn't have been any more perfect. Yeah, and I think that game really something we ne- we never see really too often. I say a big game living up to its hype. I think that game that game certainly did, and that was that was brilliant. Um, right, let's head to our final league, which is of course Serie A. So as you know, our Serie A man is Ryan, and Ryan once again Serie A exciting in the title race. Very much so, Andrew. Um, I'll go, I'll leave the best till last at this point. But uh, first off, Inter, they got a win, a very good win as well. Two in, uh, two one, sorry, away to Sassuolo, where it's a notoriously hard place to win, Sassuolo. They often get points against, uh, against the big clubs. So almost like the Crystal Palace of, the, uh, of Serie A. So a good result for Inter, Edin Dzeko, of all people, getting both goals. Uh, Latarlo Martinez having a having a very poor game in, in that game as well. So good win for Inter. Uh, the actual two of the top three uh, fought each other, basically. Udinese and Atalanta, they drew 2-2. Uh, not a bad result, really, for either team. Obviously, both been in incredible form to start of the season. And I think they both would have taken that in the end. 
whilst Napoli continue their fine form, 4-1 winners away. And once again, Cavara Tisquilia, just mind-blowing how good this player is. And yeah, again, he was just everywhere on the pitch and will be up there at the end of the season with goals and assists that we have no doubt. Roma, they got a win, 2-1. But unfortunately for them, Paolo Dybala, he injured himself, taking a penalty, which is peak Paolo Dybala, it has to be said. And um, yeah, it looks like he could be out for a little while as well, which is going to be a, a massive blow, obviously, to Roma. But the big game of the weekend, of course, was Milan at home to Juventus. The inform against the kind of out of form. And Milan, they won the game 2-0. Pretty easy result, to be honest with you. Juventus were, again, disappointing. Uh, for Kaya Tomori, he got the first goal. And Brahim Diaz, if you haven't seen it yet, do go and watch it on YouTube. It's a wonderful solo goal, basically running from Milan's own sort of area all the way through a host of Juventus players before slotting it back into the net. All three points for Milan. Brilliant result for them. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of how the table sort of currently looks, um, there's not too much, to be honest with you, that's, you know, that's changed. I mean, um, Napoli and Atalanta have obviously now switched positions. So it's Napoli out in front with a couple of points on Atalanta. Lazio, they sneak in obviously now to third. Udinese drop into fourth. Milan, they move themselves up into fifth. Milan, that we have three teams on 20 points. With Roma in sixth. And then there's a big gap, actually. Five points between... AC Milan and their rivals Inter in, a, in seventh place with 15 points, already eight off the leaders, Napoli. That's going to be a big deficit to try and pull back. And then a position lower than them, Juventus. They find themselves 10 points now behind league leaders, Napoli. So I think we can count them out of the title race already at this early stage. And I've got a lot more to say about them, but I'll leave that for the European one because... That's a bit more tastier. But in terms of the other sort of positions, really, there's just, you know, not really too much going on. The teams at the bottom, very much, you know, the same. Sampdoria, Cremonese and Verona, they're the bottom three. We've actually, the 17th place, Bologna, they've currently got the joint top goal scorer in the league, strangely enough. Wow, okay. A man, a man who was ridiculed by Manchester United fans, and was not wanted. Marco Anatovic, who has <laughs> six goals at the moment, joint with the main man, Shiro Immobile. So that tells you everything you need to know. And uh, I'd say the other outstanding performer at the moment is Soa Milinkovic-Savic, who yet again, for Lazio, is showing his class. He's got the most assists so far with seven. Great form. But he has actually been linked this week with, strangely enough, Juventus. He has 18 months left on his contract, I believe. But I don't think this is going to be one that happens anytime soon as Lazio won 120 million euros for him, which they're not going to get with 18 months left on his deal. So we'll see what happens in regards to him and whether Lazio can finish in the top four this season. But yeah, another weekend of non-stop action. Yeah, and there's certainly one to look out for this weekend as well if you're looking for a break from the Premier League action. But that has been the end of our weekly review of all things football and domestically. So I've been your host, Andy. This has been Nye. This has been Ryan. This has been Jonathan. 
and we will see you guys next time.